Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the boxing scholar himself, Joel Ilier. Joel, how are you? I'm good, thanks Joe, how are you? Very good, not too bad. I was on another trip today with the school to the London Transport Museum. Yeah, your teachers take you out, did they? They did take me out, yes. Oh. They trust me to, uh, you know, be responsible and look after our lovely children. So that was quite good fun. So that's twice now I've been in a week, probably more than most kids go. Especially in your day? areas, mate. Yes. <laughs> How was your day? Yeah, it was good. It weren't bad, man. It weren't bad. What, my day or my weekend or what? what are we talking about? Well, on the weekend, it was your mum's birthday. Let's give a shout out to... Miss Hillier, if, if you'd like to call her that. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about giving her name in case yeah. she doesn't want to be you know, searchable on the internet. But yeah, happy birthday, mum. Indeed. Right. Uh, so how was your weekend, Joel? It was good. Any details for us? Family, friends, all that sort of thing, mate. Not much details I want to share. Fair enough. Right. Let's, uh, let's get a move on. There were a few fights this weekend, mainly involving the women. So we're going to discuss the women's game. So let's crack straight on with those. So we had two unification fights. And let's start off with Amanda Serrano against Erica Cruz, which was uh, for the undisputed. Um, I have to say, in this one, I, I thought Amanda Serrano looked quite poor, to be honest with you. Not poor in the sense that, I mean, she won the fight quite comfortably against an opponent who, you know, she was levels above. But she got tagged a lot, and I think she's now at that stage of her career where she just can't avo- can't really avoid punches. She has to be within range to land her shots, and invariably she's just getting tagged quite mm. a lot. It's actually quite worrying. It was a sort of performance that made me think Katie Taylor might just comfortably beat her in the rematch I mean don't get me wrong I'm sure Katie Taylor's likely you know she's on the decline as well but something about Amanda Serrano's performance just had me a little bit concerned Um, there was an interesting uh, stat actually after the fight Erica Cruz is the opponent who's now who landed the most punches on Amanda Serrano and you know in fights that they've kept records of so she outperformed herself I think and uh, you know Amanda Serrano got the job done it was it seemed almost a formality that she'd become undisputed but she did hurt Erica Cruz I think in round six but not badly enough to you know to put her down and other than that I don't think Erica Cruz was really in any any trouble put up a really spirited performance and uh, yeah like I say we have the rematch now with Katie Taylor which will be in somewhere in Dublin one positive that Serrano can take from this is that she came on a bit stronger as the fight went on, which is sort of opposite to what you would expect from an ageing fighter. Yeah. But then at the same time, you know, her performance was down on, on recent years. Yeah. And it's clearly, yeah, she's she's ageing and maybe she is uh, rolling down that hill faster than Katie Taylor. Yeah. Let's hope so. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, their rematch now I think has been definitely... It was announced today, I think May 20th. May 20th, it is it? Yeah, fair yeah, enough. For match room. Now, so obviously, there's been a lot going on regarding the fight about where it's going to take place. Yes. And Croke Park, it seems that the security bill of 500 grand is a little bit rich. It's okay, though, Joel, because Conor McGregor's <laughs> just going to come to the rescue. Did you see him on social media? He's going to sponsor it, and Eddie Hearn sent Please keep Conor McGregor out of any involved gates. Well, let's face it, he's um, he's not going to sponsor the event, is he? No, he's going to have not. nothing to do with it. No, absolutely yeah. not. Right, so uh, my favourite, Alicia Baumgardner, the stunner. Why don't you like her so much, Joe? She's just very talented, Joel. Just a good right hook, yeah? Good right hook. <laughs> <laughs> right, Alicia Baumgardner, she also was involved in an undisputed fight this weekend against Ellen Mechaled and her performance was excellent and she I mean she hurt Mechaled quite badly I think it was in the third round put her down twice I'm amazed actually she survived the onslaught because Baumgartner can really bang and she did hurt her she stopped stopping opponents hasn't she Alicia mm, yeah 
Has she yeah, had, but she has, has. she had a stoppage since Terry Harper? No, she hasn't. No, you're right. Actually, yeah. Well, it's just that what marked her out from the crowd yeah. was her knockout power. Yeah, and it stops happening. Yeah, but she's fighting at a high level, I guess. And I, I guess the different. I, I can, you can still see the difference though, because mm. Katie Taylor hasn't come close to hurting anyone in years. Um. Clarissa Shields hasn't. Yeah, she's clearly still a banger, is you what you're saying, even if she's yeah. not. I mean, yeah, she, 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 yeah, she's still got the power. Like I said, I'm really surprised that um, Ellen Mechelid came through, and I think she was put down again, maybe in the seventh round. Okay. So it was, it was, you know, it was a washout. I did go the distance in the end, so fair play to her. But Alicia Baumgardner, as expected, undisputed. And uh, I was thinking about this on the bus. Weirdly, I think all roads lead back to Michaela Mayer now and the rematch. Yes, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, like I said, I think uh, all roads and all all paychecks. Serious paychecks lead back to a rematch with Michaela Mayer. So, yeah, we'll just have to see how that one pans out. <laughs> right. Here was a very interesting fight on the weekend and a fight that was mired in some controversy, which was Emmanuel Navarrete against Liam Wilson. I think this was for the vacant WBO belt. And if, I, if I'm if i right, uh, Navarrete is a title holder in the division below. I'm not sure what division that is off the top of my head, but he obviously has a bit of pedigree. Liam Wilson, a bit more of an unknown from Australia. Undefeated, though, I think. I'm fairly certain coming into this fight. And uh, Emmanuel Navarrete was the fairly heavy favourite but uh, it turned into basically an epic war this was a cracking fight this one so just quickly there just to help you out that the division below super feather is feather oh cheers Um, (laughs) did they just said super to every (laughs) Um, wanker this was this was an excellent fire, this one. This was a bit of a cracker. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Going to use a little phrase that I haven't used for a while as well. Liam Wilson, welcome to the party, mate. This guy's going to be sticking around. He was quality. He took control of the fight really early against Navarrete here. Yeah. Now, Navarrete is a typical Mexican slugger who gets stronger as the fight goes on. And that is what happened in this one. Yeah. Now, Wilson took control early, throwing really hard technically perfect punches yeah. regularly. He is a good back foot fighter who can bang, mm. which is rare at the level. Yeah. Normally when you've got this sort of style, you're you're doing it because you're coping with your physical characteristics yeah. or your physical deficiencies a lot yeah. of the time. So you're making the most out of it. And he was he was quite the opposite. He's a really strong bloke, like strong of body and of punch. And he, yeah, he he really impressed me early in this fight. Mm. There was a lot of controversy too, wasn't there? Because there was this twenty six second count. There was so I can't. Was it the four, third or fourth round? Liam Wilson put Navarrete down with. It wasn't really one punch. It was just an absolutely outstanding non-stop combination like a flurry of punches and each one seemed to hurt Navarrete more and more and more yeah and at the time he was so on top in the fight Navarrete just taking a lot of punishment this looked like he was just wearing him down for the stoppage yeah absolutely and uh so anyway the the controversy stems from the fact that from the moment he put Navarrete down to the moment the ref actually waved the fight on to continue, there was a 26-second gap. Not a 10-second gap, but a 26-second gap. Also not helped by the fact that Navarrete probably quite cleverly spat his gum shield out. And then I, what was strange, you might have to comment on this, Joel, but the referee appeared to, after he'd done the 10 count, give him a few more seconds, then he picked up the gum shield and he gave it to the boxer to put in. So, I so think he's got what, a pair of boxing gloves on and he's trying to put his gum shield. It's just ridiculous. I, I think what's actually happened here is that the referee has realised that he's played a bit too much of an advantage yeah. to Navarrete here. Yeah. And by the time he went to put his... He, he picked up his gum shield. Yeah. He realised, I've just got to stick it in his mouth and get a fight going. Yeah. Because yeah. He'd, it had already been ages and he should by law he should have taken that gum shield to the corner handed the gum shield over to the cornerman Mm. for the cornerman to then wash with some water Mm. and put in the boxer's mouth now this would have been correct practice at that moment he didn't he just when it came to it just sort of handed it over as you say and sort of never it was struggling to put it in his mouth and put it in it makes me wonder why 
every other boxer on planet Earth doesn't just spit their gum shield out as they as they get up. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it it needs to be clamped down on. Mm. Now. Anyway, we've got to give Navarrete some credit here because he looked like he was about to lose in, you know, a fairly stunning upset. He, he, he picked himself up, dusted himself off and dragged himself back into the fight and eventually wore Liam Wilson down, I think stopping him in the ninth off the top of my head. And he was done. It was the ninth round and it, yeah. was, it was a methodical beating by then. Yeah. He came on so strong, Navarrete. It was really impressive. Yeah. So, um, you know, fair play to Navarrete for coming on. Uh, one other controversial thing about this fight was the weigh-in. I don't know if you saw this, Joel, but immediately after the weigh-in was done, Liam Wilson came in at 126, right? And Navarrete came in at 129. I think the, the limit's 130. One, he came in at a high 129 point, whatever. Um, now... Liam Wilson's weight was only 126. That's quite, you know, when you're cutting weight, you don't usually cut it that low. Anyway, Australian uh, news uh, media interviewed him after the weigh-in and he immediately said the scales have been tampered with, no question. He was absolutely certain that an official had tampered with the scales to allow Navarrete to hit weight. And what he said was... 20 minutes before the official weigh in, he weighed himself in his dressing room and he was at 129 point whatever. He was basically bang on the weight. And he's not going to be wrong about that. Then 20 minutes later, after he says he's seen an official, some sort of official, play around with the scales, he comes in essentially four pounds lighter, which is, you know, he's totally shocked by that. I'm going to say, I've just weighed myself 20 minutes ago. And then Navarrete comes in just under the limit. So I have to say there's something about it that, you know, when you couple that with the fact that he's got an obscene, you know, Navarrete's got an obscenely long count and been given every advantage possible to recover. And he was badly hurt as well. I mean, Mm. that wasn't like a, you know, like a better BF yard one where he was sort of stunned, but not really hurt. He was hurt. No, it was terribly it was hurt. Terribly also, hurt. I mean, something we've got to take into account here is that this was in the in Arizona, mm. so it's not a boxing hotbed. They don't have you know a particularly respected boxing commission. Therefore, they yeah. won't with the referees, and this sort of stuff can happen. But the problem is here that with Liam Wilson is that if something like this happens, you've got to deal with it at the time. Yeah, if he knows that he's one two nine, and he goes in and he weighs in at one two six, he needs to be shouting, screaming, hollering. He's got all of the press there. Yeah. He's got to do it then. You can't then wait until half an hour later. Yeah. And so actually, there's this there's yeah. this issue. So to be honest, what went on in the ring, I'm going to give that a sort of, I'm going to give that uh, focus, respect. What's happened here, it seems way off. It does, and yeah. It, it really does. And I, I have my suspicions that he's absolutely correct in his analysis but mate you can't bring it up afterwards I know well they did ask they spoke to Bob Arum about it and he was totally dismissive he was like this is bullshit well, of course. Of, I know he would do well, yeah. Bob Arum Navarrete's promoter yeah. who was running the card <laughs> and paying the commission um, <laughs> poured score yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, the whole thing, very, very, very weird. I mean, a great fight, but yes, mired in some interesting talking points. A little bit of shenanigans. Shenanigans, boxing shenanigans as usual. Right, the news. Let's start off with the first official news piece. So Joe Joyce, the juggernaut against Zhalai Zhang, has officially been confirmed for the 15th of April. I think we discussed this briefly last week, but it's uh, official now. So Joel, give us your thoughts. My thoughts are that this is the most dangerous opponent of Joe Joyce's career for all of our talk about his chin and the the power of his chin, what he can soak up on there. Actually, he has never fought a massive heavyweight with a massive punch. Mm. And that's what we've got here with Zhang. And not only is he a massive heavyweight with a massive punch, but he's an experienced top-class amateur that won, I think, world goals. He won Olympic silvers. Mm. He's a top-level bloke, this guy. He fought um, Philip Hergovic a few months ago. Well, he won the fight. He won clearly. He didn't get the decision, but he had... Uh, Hergovic down and he won really clearly I, I haven't heard anyone say other than yeah. the judges that they thought that Hergovic won that fight Yeah. so we've got somebody here that should be the IBF mandatory mm. he is fighting Joe Joyce I don't know why Joyce has accepted this fight quite frankly it seems absolutely insane 
brilliant yeah. and it's an excellent fight. I'm really glad it's happening, but this you, isn't your standard matchmaking. Yeah. This this is dangerous as anything. You've been so high on Joe Joyce. It sounds like you're worried this might be a banana skin. I am. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think this fight is worth, worth the, risk. the danger. Yeah. Like fair enough if he had a name. Yeah. And I would expect it. You know, you want. I would want Joyce to be fighting guys like this. Yeah. But to fight somebody who is completely unknown in this country, who is in the top three or four riskiest fights out there for Joe Joyce, which he really is, yeah. style-wise, I think is absolutely insane. I don't know what Frank Ryan's thinking here. Yeah. It's, it's so anti- Frank Warren's MO in general as a promoter. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, he's f- throwing his fighters in a lot more um, deep these days, yeah. which he has to because of the BT Sport deal. Yeah. He needs to create some fights now, but this isn't a big fight. Mm. He's not done it with this. It's not as though he's going, all right, we'll throw Joe Joyce in with Tyson Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just throwing him in with actually someone who's not that much less dangerous than Tyson. In fact, he's got far more chance of being knocked out by Zhang than he does by Tyson Fury. That's my analysis. Interesting, interesting. What do you think of it? I expect Joe Joyce to win quite comfortably. I think that I'm not sure we'll ever see a better performance from Zhang than what he put up against Hergovic, especially given his age and everything. And he's not far... I mean, you know, there are levels between Joyce and Hergovic. In my opinion, not wow. not a, not a huge number. No, I can't I can't agree with that at all. I think Joyce Herg- absolutely batters Hergovic seriously. Yeah, but it's not a levels thing. It's something different. It's not a levels thing. Joyce and Hergovic. I mean, Hergovic probably outperformed or performed similar to Joyce in the amateurs. Mm. He's a, a fighter who's sort of in his peak years, coming up to his peak years as mm. it, as is Joyce. I don't think it's a levels thing. I think it could be a styles thing. Mm. And I definitely would agree with that. I think that I would favour Joyce in that fight yeah. because of Joyce's smothering style. But Joyce would have a lot of early trouble with him as he does with everyone. <laughs> this is the problem. I think this is my problem. I know we've moved on a little bit from that fight, but this is my problem with the fight that early on, Joe Joyce eats lever from every single opponent. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are and how bad you are. He, you're going to connect on Joe Joyce. <laughs> so Zhang is definitely going to connect and he's one of the hardest punches in the division. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Tyson Fury against Alexander Usyk, whilst not officially announced, the date is now set in stone and that will be the 29th of April. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. I can't wait for that fight, man. Well, at least, yeah, we've got an actual date for that, at least. We know where we stand. We know what we're doing that weekend, don't we now, Joe? Yeah, we do indeed, yes, yeah. Ordering Papa John's. Having delicious. a few beers. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Papa John. Shout actually. out to Papa John. Shout out to Papa John. Man, your your pizzas are delicious. We should get sponsorship from them. Probably should, didn't it? I think that might have been the quickest I've ever eaten a Papa John's pizza Fuck because me, you did get through that I quick. Annihilated mate. that. I looked at yours and you had about three quarters of yours left. And yeah, I was no. like, shit, what have I just done? It was one of them ones, it was a rare time I actually finished a blooming large pizza. But I did it in about four times <laughs> the time as you, <laughs> you greedy bastard. I'm such a disgrace, man. Greedy I am greedy. <laughs> right, let's talk about a, a, a topic that doesn't involve my greediness. It has... Oh, right, here we go. Lawrence Acoli is now no longer with Shane McGuigan, and he is, I think, formerly appointed Sugar Hill Studio, who is obviously Tyson Fury's trainer. You you think this is a good move? Is that right, Joel? Yeah, when I heard that he'd left Shane McGuigan, my instant reaction was, oh, what a shame. Yeah. I thought they were a really good fit. And then I saw that he'd gone to Sugar Hill over in the years for, oh, brilliant. Yeah. I, I mean, think that he's just the right style to go to at this stage of his career. Akoli is somebody that's jumped from coach to coach. He hasn't got a long-term relationship with a coach that can take credit for mm. his sort of work. He's an excellent fighter, Akoli. He should be going around, actually, to the top coaches in the world taking bits and pieces off him. That's what he's doing here. Gets him out of England for a lot of the time, which I think would be good for him. Yeah. 
gets him in because sometimes over here I've felt that he's not fully focused. I mean, he seems to be a bit of a Danner a lot of the time when I hear him talk. Yeah. I think maybe just a new, okay. uh, you know, a new place, a new gym going in with the Furies over there. They create a good atmosphere in the gym. I mean, he's got going to have the best sparring possible yeah. for a cruiserweight. I mean, he's going to have Tyson Fury in that gym. He'll probably have um, Joe Parker visiting a lot. Yeah. Got the younger weights, obviously, in there. The, yeah. Uh, the, well, I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great move for him. I think as well, there are, he he's one of the, he's cruiserweight, isn't he? Isn't He's he one is. of the cruiserweights who could probably make transition up to heavyweight as well. And from what he said since he's joined um, Sugar Hill, that is his plan. He wants two or three fights and then wait for the yeah. right opportunity and move up there. I mean, he's tall and rangy and he'll definitely fill out um, if he you know, wants to put on a bit more muscle. Well, in fact, on the article that I saw him photograph with Sugar Hill, he looked huge. Yeah, yeah. Right, fair play to uh, Lawrence Acoli. Good luck with that move. Now, it's uh, widely been rumoured, and I'm not sure why. This this is something that we'll find out soon enough. But it's widely been rumoured that the WBC are going to reinstate Conor Ben in the rankings as a consequence of their open, you know, inverted commas investigation. The whole thing. I mean, I guess point A is what on earth is there? What was what is the result of their investigation? You have to assume that Conor Ben's Connor Ben is being absolved of any blame whatsoever. Um, I just find the whole thing re- really odd. It's uh, and it seems to be as well. I, I don't know if this is a thing that's uh, in, involving Maurizio Suleiman because I I, I read something that um, someone had posted about drug cheats in the sport. I think when Tyson Fury failed his drugs test and he gave the you know the wild castrated bore nonsense, Suleiman basically bought into it. Anyway, there, there, there's a few involving Suleiman where, and this is the irony: Conor Ben was um, failed the uh, drugs test under the WBC's uh, was it clean, clean boxing, boxing program. program. Yeah, so. I just it's very odd that he's failed a, a drugs test that's essentially deeply embedded in the WB setup and the WBC have essentially said or it looks like they're going to say well that doesn't matter because you you've been absolved of any responsibility. Yeah, we don't know on what basis they're going to do that, but it does seem that they are preparing the public yeah for that eventuality. What Conor Ben's team have done here is just outrageous. So it's really clear that the Ben team is now looking to circumnavigate the UK in all ways when it comes to Ben getting relicensed here. Mm. They're just not going to deal with UCAD. They're not going to deal with the British Boxing Board of Control. They're not going to deal with proper organisations who have balances in place like to deal with these things now instead they're going to the, they're trying to convince us that they need to go to the WBC and that the WBC by fact of just putting them back in their rankings Means that this then into, clears him yeah. to fight well he won't be able to no. fight over here no, so he what is yeah. clear now is that Ben is setting himself up for a comeback abroad yeah he's not going to be fighting in this country for the foreseeable mm. until maybe hopefully they're hoping that things just sort of blow over yeah, yeah. over here but he's going to be getting on with his career I imagine in the US but what they're asking us to do is accept the word and the decision of the governing body who Ben who Ben failed his original tests with twice yeah who didn't feel the need to address the situation or pull him from their rankings at the time. Yeah. So they just completely ignored it at the time, which makes you think, what's the point of the WBC clean boxing program? Yeah, totally. They weren't provided with an explanation, just told, oh, no, I didn't do it, Gov. I didn't do it. And that's it. And so they want us to trust those guys. No one's going to do it. No. In that's... terms of the court of public opinion, no one's going to go with this. Yeah. So this was an article by, I have to give this a shout out because I read it, it was fantastic, Craig Scott on uh, BoxingZombie.uk and it was Ped Tests in Boxing, why isn't failing enough anymore? And obviously it talks about Conor Ben, but the the, the stuff he said about yeah Maurizio Solomon, so um, Tyson Fury and Huey Fury, Canelo Alvarez, Solomon again, 
didn't care really. Oscar Valdez was another one. Suleiman didn't care. You know, they're really the blue collar organization in boxing, you know, um, of the four bodies. And yet they're kind of being run by someone who seems totally um, nonplussed about positive drugs tests. It really should be, if we're going to try and take boxing seriously as a sport, like athletics, you get, you fail a test, you're banned from competition for like, well, essentially your career period. And maybe, you know, you might be able to make a late comeback when you're well past your best, but that's the incentive to not do drugs in yeah, sport. Yeah, if you're stupid <laughs> enough to actually be caught yeah. in athletics, which most people aren't, yeah. but if you are stupid enough to be caught, you have to get punished, as you say. Yeah, yeah. In boxing, it's such a wild west, and, isn't it? And, and obviously, then the, the, you also take into account the fact that in athletics, you're not trying to essentially beat the living daylights out of someone, where which you are in boxing. Yeah. Um, the whole thing's just, just very, I just, it's, it's sickening, really. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with this one, but I'm not happy. Anyway, here's another new story involving Maurizio Suleiman. So, and again, this just shows how stupid boxing is, really. So he's confirmed that there are no plans currently for the light heavy unification fight, which everyone in boxing wants between Dmitry Bivol and Arta Betabiev, because under the WBC rules, uh, uh, Dmitry Bivol, as a Russian, is barred from fighting for the WBC belt. And in fact... Callum Smith, I think, is the WBC mandatory. I think he's got an, a fight lined up before this fight would better be if potentially takes place. But no one wants to see it because if you're looking to decide who the best in any division is, you've got to have the best fighters fighting. Bivol and Better Beer are light years ahead of everyone else in terms of how good, you know. Oh, yeah, you want number one versus not versus number two, not number one versus number, what is he, five or six? Yeah. Yeah, no. They're completely different fights. No, not interested. We're not interested, as you say. We're really not interested. Now, after my statement last week that there's nothing to stop in this fight, I actually reflected <laughs> in the week of actually there's something this. really big. <laughs> no, this ain't stopping no fight, mate. Who cares? WCBC right. don't get sanction a fight. Yeah. You know, who gets a toss? Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a big thing. What is a big thing is that the two Russians getting in a ring together. Yeah. I had a little think about this and I thought, what TV network would possibly fund the fight? Better be of Canadian. Oh, Scott, sorry, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> so basically, he's almost French. Yeah. But I, I mean, out of the two, I think currently Bivol is the, you know, the proper Russian. Better be of is sort of like, That's what I'm not really with. Russian, to be honest with you. So he seems to be okay yeah. at well, the minute. B- but Bivol also doesn't live, fight out of, or train yeah. in Russia. Yeah. You made the point previously that this is just sort of like... Um, racism cloaked as some sort of fair fairness type thing you know given the situation and the, the war but it's, yeah, it's a really bollocks. it's an odd version of sort of virtue signaling mm, where you sort it, of virtue yeah. signaling but in doing so you are being sort of racist or xenophobic or whatever you want to yeah you know label it mm. but, uh, by virtue signaling yeah yeah sort and of- and I guess as Defeats well... the purpose a little bit. Yeah, and with sport, you know, you've got to sort of tr- take that out of it as much as you can. Just let the two best fighters in that division just beat the living crap out of each yeah, other. Yeah, and let them do the politics if they want to do it. Yeah. But we shouldn't politicise the sport, if you see what I mean. It shouldn't be the sport that's getting politicised. Yes. Let the fighters politicise the event if they feel the need to. Yes, yeah. No, totally agree. So uh, hopefully something happens that that flight can take place anyway moving forward here's another news story this one's quite hilarious because we're kind of keeping tabs on Jarrell Miller's career (laughs) since his comeback (laughs) and his girth and I have to say this is this you know this this fight wouldn't go amiss in you know at the circus Jarrell Miller against Lucas Brown what is it big baby against big daddy that's it big baby against big daddy announced for the 18th of march i mean jesus Christ. do you know what i would be quite up for watching i actually think there could be a really good fight well, it's a funny one because these, these guys they're too like, well, they've both got big in their name for a reason let's put it like that yeah they're units but the two guys that have spent years blasting out the roids and whatever they've been doing and now probably aren't yeah and so all that muscle has just turned into fat. Yeah. So these two are just going to be wobbling around the ring, mm. putting on some odd, strange spectacle 
which I can't imagine anyone paying for, mate. No, no. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's pay per view, Joel. I don't think we need to worry about that. <laughs> oh no, it's on your design subscription, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one that I cancelled. <laughs> you know, because Lucas Brown was also um, he, he was banned. He he wasn't licensed to by the British Bo- Boxing Board of Control, was he? No, so Lucas for the Brown... Dubois fight because he was mooted to fight him, but the British Boxing Board of Control wouldn't sanction it because they had concerns. About Brown's age. Yeah, I mean, he looks terrible these days. I mean, he had that fluky win. He landed a Junior punch. Junior Farr, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, Junior Farr, exactly it. Yeah, in the, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Over there, in fact, on on some sort of undercard. I can't remember, but was that, was that Joe Parker undercard or something? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But also, going back, Joe, Lucas Brown was banned from boxing for quite a lengthy period of time, I think it was, after Did his he... title-winning effort. He won a belt at yeah. heavyweight against Roslan Chagiev. And it was actually a really good fight. Yeah. And it had the Chechen president was ringside Oh, right. Who was yeah. sort of trying to fix the fight for Chagiev as the fight was going on. <laughs> really? He was, yeah, he was talking to the timekeeper throughout. And there was one part when Chagiev was just out on his feet and he was just about to get knocked out. And he's just turned man for the timekeeper in full view of the telly and told him to ring the bell. And, and then another did. round that um, Lucas, and he did, yes. And there was another, well, yeah, he's got the, like the Chechen president, president this guy is a nut job. Not, yeah, he's not to be messed with. Yeah. I mean, he's a strong, he's one of them strong men. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He's a dangerous, dangerous man. You just do what he says. Yeah. And then there was then a following round where Lucas Brown was sort of getting beat up. Yeah. And he wouldn't let the ring, the timekeeper, ring the bell. Ring the bell. <laughs> So it was a remarkable fight. It's really worth catching on YouTube. I remember I watching watch it at the time. It was such an event. I really enjoyed it. I think that was about 2015, that uh, fight, was it? Only in boxing. Well, 2016, that, sorry. That 2016. is outrageous. <laughs> it is outrageous. The whole thing was outrageous. Yeah. Brilliant, though. Right, let's see what, we'll see what happens in that fight. I'm sure it'll be interesting. I don't think it'll last long. And I don't think that a president, I doubt a president will be in uh, attendance either. Yes, yes. Right, there are no fights to preview this week. There are some fights on, but none of them of, uh, well, you know, particularly worthy of our time and effort and our our researching skills. We're above some of this stuff. We are indeed. So we're going to jump to the Kinnahan of the week. Right, so the Kinnan of the week is going to be Joshua Clotty because in an interview which I think was published today on Boxing News 24-7, he basically said that in his, I think it was his 2010 fight with Manny Pacquiao, he says he deliberately lost and uh, he decided to blow it up. And the reason being, apparently, was the poor money he was going to get from the fight and the fact that he'd he was upset that he'd signed a contract with his manager which he decided was a a bad contract to sign in the run-up to the fight and again he wasn't happy so here's here's a quote from the interview the manager Vinny Scolpino had already accepted one million dollars as payment I came in and negotiated 1.35 million dollars it was a fight I was supposed to get two million dollars on the pay-per-view was a hundred dollars for each viewer but he negotiated only three dollars on my behalf out of the one hundred dollars and even with the three dollars I could only earn my share after 300,000 buys which meant that if 300,000 and uh, one person bought it he would only earn three dollars so going into that fight he says I basically really pissed off couldn't be asked decide you know just decided to throw the fight and we have both come to the conclusion that his claims are utter bullshit is that right John yeah, I think exhibit number one is Manny Pacquiao's form leading into this fight. Yes. <laughs> Where he was basically, you know, bludgeoning everyone to death. <laughs> Possibly the greatest run in the history of boxing. Yeah, you've definitely brought that one up before. Yeah, no, no, so no. For me to think that a fighter in the middle of that run mm. threw a fight. The fighter that he was, sorry, the fighter he was fighting against yeah, through the fight. Through the fight. Yeah. the fight. I mean, it, it's just absurd. 
he is probably absolutely honest and correct on everything he said in that interview when it comes to the money, the, the money yeah. side of things. Yeah. I'm sure it was difficult. And, and most of the time when you're coming in as a B-side, you're going to take the short end of the deal mm. and you aren't going to be happy with your percentage, your purse, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. To think that he then sort of threw the fight on purpose because of that, sort of talking about cutting your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. Nonsense. I'm sorry, the old thing's an absolute load of rubbish. And I think after you read that, that meme popped into my head. You know the one of that, the old lady by the lawnmower? No. And she just turns around and she just got, turns around and goes, oh, shut up, you silly cunt. <laughs> So on behalf of myself and Joel, I like boxing. <laughs> Joshua Clotty, fuck off, you silly cat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... Do you know what? I mean, even... What what really happened, basically, is that he was in there against a, a, a an elite generational talent at the peak of his powers, and he didn't want to get hurt. No, he froze on he the He just night. survived. He, he was froze. in survival mode. There's That's no doubt it. about it. We've seen exactly what happened with him happen with many boxers mm. when they move into that sort of class and when, that, when they have that sort of jump up in mm. class. Mm. And uh, do you know what I think? It's, it's basically the passage of time. He probably really regrets his performance and, you know, his pride won't let him admit that he just boxed terribly and didn't, didn't show up. Now he's had to, you know, come up with some sort of excuse. Uh, yeah, no, we don't like right seeing that. Man. And also, you know, you know, what, what, how does it benefit him admitting this, even if it's true? Because if you're a fight fan and you've paid for that fight, you know, he's shortchanged you. He's been completely unprofessional. You know, it, it just, it, I just think it's a load of nonsense, and I'm not buying it, Joshua Clotty. So, you are our Kinnan of the week. This week, that which brings shame on boxing. Bloody disgrace. Right, let's move on to the magazine lottery. And Joel, you scored, well, I say you scored an addition. You basically grabbed the magazine you wanted last week because you were like, I'm doing it on this piece. And, you know, the I'm not one was to... in, Joe. The, the fix, fix was, was in. in. <laughs> <laughs> so you are doing your piece on a certain, it involves a certain Danny Williams, the Brixton Bomber. Yeah, it does. So. Yeah, so Joe, I selected last week <laughs> the boxing news from July 23rd, 2004. Yeah. Cost £2.15, by the way. Outrageous. And it's one of the old beautiful Berliner editions of boxing oh, yes. news. Yeah. It's, it is an absolutely lovely nice, yeah. copy, isn't it? Anyway, this had on the front cover Danny Williams training for his fight with Mike Tyson. Who's Mike Tyson? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Who needs no introduction? Yes. I think Joe was just saying there. Indeed. Um, look, this was an absolute little gem in British boxing history yep. that is not often discussed. Yeah. Not quite sure why. Yeah. That is left off of most lists of best foreign win for a British fighter abroad. Yeah. All these. We've done those lists before. Never this included this him hasn't in this popped fight. in my head, even yeah. though this is one of my favourite fights of all yeah. time. So anyway, what we had here, this was July uh, the 30th, 2004. We had Danny Williams travelled to nice. Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. Louisville, Kentucky. So I bring you to Louisville, Kentucky on the 30th of July, 2004 for this momentous night I'm of there, boxing. Yeah. Now, this was staged in Tyson's career. This was after the Lewis fight. He'd had one fight since, which was Clifford Etienne, yeah. who he'd knocked out in basically a few seconds. Mike Tyson had changed his life going into this fight. If I recall, Clifford Etienne just basically didn't want to, he didn't turn up. He essentially, didn't he get caught with like his first shot and just went he down did, but really look, easily? I watched this fight again last night and yeah. this is a sort of narrative from the time. Clifford Etienne went at it as soon as that bell rung and okay. he got caught with an absolutely humongous Mike Tyson right hook, yeah. which put him out. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Fine, fine. I, I looked, I watched that. That was just a, your typical Mike Tyson performance. Yeah. But anyway, Tyson, at this stage, career he was trying to calm down he yeah. left vegas for the deserts of phoenix 
right? right. He'd moved there. He'd moved into a two-bed house. He'd axed his entire entourage. He just had a small team, which was headed by Freddie Roach and his former stable mate, Tom Patty. He went back to the Catskill days. Yeah. So he's really trying to go back to basics here. Yeah, but this is about 15 years too late, surely. Or 10 well, years. As this he's in his proved, early 30s yeah. now, isn't he, Mike? Surely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. He, he was he's older than that. 30s, yeah, yeah. I think he was about 38 yeah. or something at the time, actually. Oh, gosh. So these two had a sort of quite a friendly build-up. Yeah. Um, in an interview before the fight, about two weeks out from the fight, mm. Mike Tyson seemed as relaxed and as at peace as I've ever seen him. Yeah. So he just seemed content. He yeah. said he was content. Now, I'm even comparing him to the Mike Tyson we seen today. The fellow was chill. Yeah. It, it was really good seeing him like that. Yeah. Um, and as I say, all he did in the two years since the Lewis fight, he had a 49-second KO of Clifford Etienne, and that was 17 months earlier. Yeah. Right? So He'd been an- inactive. That's his problem. Very inactive. But mm. he was really trying to give this now one last push. Yeah. Now, then we have coming into the story, we've got former British and Commonwealth champion, the Brixton Bomber, Danny Williams. Now, this guy was what I call a yo-yo heavyweight, right? But not in your normal sense of up and down yeah. from the mat, right? His form just fluctuated hugely, yeah. Danny. So he'd had sort of really good efforts, like Mark Potter, your mate yeah, Mark yeah. Potter, yeah. where he dislocated his shoulder and he goes and knocks him out with the other hand. He yeah. had British title winning nights, Commonwealth title winning nights, but then he'd also lost to Julius Francis in a massive shock. Yeah. He'd lost to Michael Sprott in a big shop. He got ab- absolutely battered by Sinan Samuel Sam yes, for the Europe- exactly. in a European yeah. title yeah. challenge. Although he did have shingles going into that fight, which you know I'm sure played a, a huge part. Yeah. But this was Danny going into the fight. And a lot of focus on the build-up to this fight was about Danny coping with his fear, right? And he, he even admitted this himself. And he said that he spent a lot of time in his hotel room before the fight, just meditating on the fight. Yeah. Now, Frank Maloney actually advised that as Danny had taken the fight for purse alone, which was his assumption, that William should sell the advertising or space on the bottom of his boots, on his soles, just like Frank's charge Julius Francis had done. Yeah. Now, the purse, by the way, for Danny was about 150K. Yeah. Which seems quite amazing, isn't it? To get yeah. in a ring in such a big event against Mike Tyson. Uh, but Danny actually went to New York to train for the fight as well. So he really tried to get out of it. Yeah. Get out of Britain. All of the distractions. He said he couldn't focus in the UK because he couldn't be around his family. Yeah. In lead up because they made him essentially too soft. Yeah. And in fact, he said he wouldn't speak to his family before the fight. He yeah. would only swap text messages with them and emails yeah. because he didn't want to hear their voices because it took him home. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this was the mentality of the guy at the time. Interesting. And he even did a practice ring walk in the arena the <laughs> afternoon of the fight just to really get himself in the zone. Yeah. And so we think, well, he's trained so hard for this fight. And then they get on the scales. Well, Danny comes in at a career heaviest 18 stone 13. Yeah. Right. Well, Mike Tyson comes in at 16 stone nine, which at this stage of Tyson's career, he was in excellent shape. Yeah. Right. So it goes without saying, at six to one, Williams was a ginormous underdog, right? Yeah. There was all the worry about Danny freezing. Mm. Well, he went out there first round and the first thing he did was just throw a massive right hand. As soon as the bell goes, Williams mm. walks to the middle of the ring and he just went, right, bloody have this. Yeah. And he just launched this right hand. I missed Mike by an inch. Yeah. Right? But his intentions were clear and he was saying, this man weren't freezing on this night. It yeah. weren't happening. Yeah. Right? So in the first round, they just go at it. And it was it was quite something to see. Yeah. Right? Tyson was controlled he was fast he was powerful he hurt williams really badly with a combination in the first yeah he's genuinely looking something like his old self yeah right he leans in for a left hook to the body at this point it's about 30 seconds left in the first and his knee just goes yeah i mean he was looking brilliant up until this point yeah and he looked at the referee in this sort of appeal it was for nothing no foul had been committed no nothing it was like this instinctive thing of just a boy looking at his mum for help in this moment of yeah. of sort of distress. Mm. He quickly got it together and now get on. And he carried on boxing really well. Mm. Like Tyson finished the round well. Second round, Tyson's still boxing. He's looking good, man. He's looking as good as he's done for years. But Williams by now is really fighting back and he's really starting to land. Mm. They're both just going at it and they've got the crowd on their feet. Yeah. This is already at this stage. You close out the second round. Danny putting on a performance like this. This is a victory for the man. Yeah. 
he's just represented in front of the world. Everyone expected him to just be another Tyson victim after 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. Here, he, he was meant to be another Clifford at the end, yeah. another Julius Francis laying on the floor yeah. with his souls high up in the air. <laughs> you know, shameless. And his soul in heaven. But he wasn't. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't let go of any of his dignity like that. Yeah. He was gaining respect in this fight. He wasn't cashing out from his loss. He yeah. was gaining respect in victory nice that was what was going on here yeah now going into the third yeah they carry on the same pattern of the fight but all mm -hmm. of a sudden danny williams gets deducted a point for hitting after the break now this was his first sort of infringement he was trying to like lean and do his thing on tyson and mm. fight a bit dirty but he was doing it quite cleanly mm. referee straight away point off right all right so they just go back at it Carries on. Williams takes control. He's walking Tyson back. That he gets stopped another point. Oh gosh! Right, this one for a low blow. It did stray a little bit low, but it wasn't a terrible one. Stopped yeah. another point. So all of a sudden, you're going, "Well, Danny could just get." And actually, it's looking likely that he's going to get disqualified. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it really does look like it. But as the round finishes, Williams is in control. He's walking Mike back. This is quite an amazing performance. Then in the fourth. Danny just lands a big right clots. Now, Tyson has started the round well. Yeah. Again, he was trying to box, controlled, measured, looking good again, genuinely good. Freddie Roach had him had him actually fighting to plan. Mm. And then Danny landed this right hand. Now, something imperceptible. It was a slight shift you can see in him there, but something in Mike's eyes that you could just see he doesn't want this. Yeah. He just don't want it. And Danny saw it. Yeah. He saw it immediately. This was like a, a vicious finisher going to work. He walked at Mike and he threw a 16-punch combination of Brixton bombs, mate. Yeah. Like straight in that chin of Mike Tyson. All he did, he halted it just to step back and dodge like this desperate Mike Tyson counter. Yeah. And he launched the final five punches, made the last of the punches, boomed into Mike's own left hand. It had been held up to try and protect his face. Yeah. And it forced his own left hand to punch his own face and floor him. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh. And that was it. He didn't get up. Not yeah. even the referee who genuinely broke the count to get up. He broke the count of five, turned round, walked to Danny, said a couple of words for him for no obvious reason, and then walked back and picked the count up at six. Well, a good five or so seconds have passed there out of age. This is some Emmanuel Navarrete shit it taking was. place here. <laughs> but on this night, Danny Williams could not be denied, mate. No, it was it a great was, night. It yeah. was stunning stuff. Was this the fight that gave Danny Williams a shot against uh, 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 Vitaly Klitschko? Yeah, so Mike after this had one, <laughs> one more fight in Probably his career. Probably wishes he'd lost now. <laughs> Absolutely. Mike had one more fight in his career after this, and that was to Kevin McBride. McBride, I think, yeah. uh, Was it Boston or something weird like that? Yeah, see some something like, like that, fake Irish. It was an awful. It was awful. I mean, that was just the remnants of Mike Tyson. This night, what Danny Williams fought was not the remnants of Mike Tyson. That was a perfectly decent fighter he fought that night in that ring. Did he? Uh did it, did he ever uh, discuss the the career heavyweight? Was that a, on purpose? Because he it would have allowed him to absorb, the, you know, Mike Tyson's more punish because he was a still a vicious puncher. Yeah, thanks actually, Joe, because I got carried away there and didn't revisit that, and I had meant to. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. So Jim McDonnell, who was. Danny's trainer for this fight he spoke openly about it as soon as the weigh-in had happened that no that's the plan we want to walk Mike down, down and it's what they did in the fight yeah. so it's absolutely correct they did it on purpose now fortunately what about seven months later six seven six months later he he got in the ring with Vitaly Klitschko yeah and he tried to do the same thing. He came in heavy to cope with Klitschko's power and it was the wrong thing to do and he was just a punch bag or not. And it's one of, it's a fight that I have never watched him fall. I was such a Danny Williams fan yeah. back at this, in these days. He was literally my favourite boxer, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. I just thought he was great value and he was such a lovely bloke. Yeah. You'll never come across someone nicer in boxing yeah. than Danny Williams. He's just a top guy, mate. And I'd I'd, I'd booked tickets uh, for a holiday with a friend of mine. In Germany? No, it wasn't in Germany. We were going to Amsterdam, believe it or okay. not, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> and... We were planning originally on going to New York for this fight. 
Oh, okay. And for whatever reason, we didn't do it. We announced that, I mean, but the fight date hadn't been announced, and then the fight date got announced that we yeah. got in because we were missing the fight and all that. So I remember listening to it on the way to the airport. I never brought myself to watch it afterwards because I'd heard that Danny got such a frightful beating. Yeah. I've seen clips here and there, but I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Mm. But I want to mention someone, something else about Danny Williams, that people talk a lot about Danny these days because he's mm. still fighting and he's a journeyman. He loses every fight. and He goes around Europe doing it. I don't want to focus on that with Danny. I don't want to go that in our aftermath of the fight. What I do want to mention is that throughout the late 90s and early 2000s, up to about, what, 2010, 2012 sort of period, no, about 2010, Danny was involved in massive fights. He was, yeah. So Danny isn't some journeyman fighter. Mm. Danny fought Mike Tyson. He fought Vitaly Klitschko. He had massive UK nights, like beating Audley Harrison, the first man to beat Audley Harrison, live on ITV in front of millions and millions of viewers. He had... Big nights game, Max Skelton live on ITV. Yeah. This guy was part of major events on a consistent basis and should mm. be respected in British boxing. But but we do have to talk about surely we do have to talk about his decision to continue fighting. I don't think we do on this night when we're talking about his greatest night. I don't think we do. I think that everyone else does that all the time. Mm. I just want to focus on let's give this man like his respect mm. on this night. We're talking about his greatest night, what he should be defined for in boxing. Yeah. What he should be is the Mike Tyson conqueror. Yeah. And he's not anymore. Yeah. That's not what he's known for. And it should be because we should be judging fighters at their best and stuff like that. And we're going to talk about Danny Williams. He's going to come up. He's going to come up. He's yeah. going to come up uh. inevitably on issues that we talk about. Yeah. And he has done already. We've already has, discussed. Yeah. Yeah. I think on this, like, let's leave it there. Let's leave it nope. in Fair Phoenix. Enough. Let's leave it in New York. Let's leave it with Danny ruling the world, man. That was a special night and one of the great performances, as you say, from a Brit, full stop, but certainly a Brit abroad. Massive uh, massive respect to Danny Williams, a legend of British boxing. Right, you all need to get me the big Boy, box of magazines. Stashed. So I have picked out an edition of Boxing News dated May the 8th, 2014. On the front cover, we have Mox Madonna and Floyd Mayweather and the... Uh, headline reads diamond in the rough my dana gives polished mayweather hell that would of course i think have been their first fight uh in which marcus my really did give floyd mayweather a, a difficult night floyd mayweather won i think was it a majority decision or a it wasn't a split decision it was it was you maybe it was I either think it was united. no i think it was a split it might even have been split. Yeah, it yeah, it was a really close fight anyway. But I might be wrong, I might be wrong. Yeah, but so um, I have an idea actually having grabbed this one. I wonder if we could, if I could run a story next week on the fights that Floyd Mayweather may, may have lost. Oh, that's a Maybe good idea. Maybe we could bring this one in and we could bring in the uh, Castillo one as well because that's okay. one where I might watch those two. But anyway, I've got an edition of Boxing News from May the 8th, 2014. Um, and I think I might, I might may indeed cover Michael Smidana. I mean, he was a great fighter. I really liked Michael Smidana. He was someone who brought a lot of um, heart and courage and desire to the ring and often was able to perform above his ceiling. Because of that, in a similar and way to Carl Froch. Carl really. Froch, yeah, he had yeah. that. He, he had, had that, that about st- him. He had stuff. not just the stuff, but he had a lot of the stuff. <laughs> he had, you know, pints of it. So yeah, I'll do a piece on that, and I think we are done for today. So on that note, I hope you've enjoyed listening, our lovely listeners. And Joel, any final words? Love you all. And on that note, goodbye. <laughs>